Welcome back to That's the Point podcast. And in honor of Marcus, I'm going to say, Whaty Uppy, everybody. Whaty Uppy, is that what I say? Yeah, that's what you say. And I said it one podcast subconsciously because that's what I heard you say it. And now some people just say Whaty Uppy to me because I said it that one time. Like people who are fans of the podcast or just yeah. in your life? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But anyways, today's a special episode because we have Whaty Uppy in the house, Marky Johnny. Jonathan. Today is the first official episode of Kristen's maternity leave. That's right. So we're recording right now. Kristen, where are you at right now, pregnancy? I'm at the end. I'm at the very final phases and I'm feeling it. I think I'm 38 weeks in like five days. So I'm almost 39 weeks and me and John knew we needed to batch some episodes to give me a little time off for maternity leave. And so we're, we're just recording some really fun ones for you guys to enjoy. And John was like, should we even say that like these are pre-recorded? And I'm like, I think they're going to know that since we're not talking about my newborn baby, that they're going to be pre-recorded. So this is the first one. And what better way to start it off than with Marcus, where you guys are officially on maternity leave right now. How did you sleep last night with the new baby? Uh, it, it went really well. <laughs> Kristen's looking at me like she hated that question. Positive so. talk. Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's just a little confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to confuse everyone. <laughs> um, okay, before we get started today, I hit a massive pothole in our Tennessee roads yesterday. And I got a flat tire. So this morning I had to drop my car off at Kia. And I asked Kristen if she could pick me up at the, in my text, I said Shake Shack, but I really meant Steak and Shake. And she said, yeah, I can come pick you up. Me and Marcus are grabbing coffee before we record the podcast. So I'll text you when I'm on my way. Well, she texts me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And she goes, did you mean Shake Shack or Steak Shack? And I said, Shake Shack. You still got it wrong. Steak really? and Shake. Oh, yeah. Steak and, and you shake. can clearly see how this unfolded. <laughs> Perfect. So all that to say, I told Kristen to pick me up at Shake Shack, but I meant Steak and Shake. Yes. And she called me three times to confirm that it wasn't Steak and Shake. And I said, no, it's Shake, Shake Shack. Shack. Well, she calls me at Shake Shack and she goes, hey, I'm at Shake Shack. I go, Kristen, it's Steak and Shake. <laughs> and you want to know where this all went wrong? Where? It wasn't Culver's. I didn't realize this, but Culver's is like one of the largest chains in the U.S. It's like in the top 50. I think it's like top 36 or something like that. Yeah. Did you think it was kind of more like a rundown joint? Not even rundown, just more niche. Like, oh, they're kind of expanding. They're like kind of big in one area, but they're huge. And anyways, all I'm saying is we wouldn't have had these issues if it was Culver's because we know exactly where that is and there's nothing like it. Exactly. And I was passing on the highway. I saw the Culver's billboard and I was like, oh, Culver's. This never would have happened. Yep. Steak and shake, shake shack. It's too much. Shack and shack. It's too much shakes and steaks. Shacks. Too many confusing things. So I tell Kristen, I said, no, I'm at steak and shake. She goes, John, what? Are you kidding? And I'm like, uh, I'll call Marcus. <laughs> so, because they were both at the same coffee shop. So Marcus came and picked me up, saved the day. And then Kristen just was happily waiting at my apartment for us to show up. I said, let's share this story because this is something that I feel like I normally would do. You know, being late, 
getting the location wrong. So I just, I'm glad that you exposed is this, yourself. Is this screwed? Or is this okay? Sorry. I think we just need to tell them what's going on. Yeah, a mower man came by. <laughs> so the mower man wanted to join the podcast today. He'll be gone in about, hopefully, let's say 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah. Let's pray. <laughs> um, but should we pause, John? I don't know. Just take a pause. Jo- They're going to be done. Joe is going to be like, he's blown off the driveway. Idiots for not pausing. Yeah. yeah. In three, two, one, we're back. And only Patreon could have heard what we just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We were going on like a five minute rant on Patreon about all the things that you guys don't get to hear because it gets edited out. Um, but and did I mention Patreon? <laughs> Can we just talk about how I told these guys that you guys need to pump up the the kicks or what is it Yeah, <laughs> on the, is that that old song? You guys need to pump up the, uh, the Patreon plug. No. Cause daddy's got to make some money. <laughs> you know, we're still doing the, the podcast. Uh, who knows? Maybe by this point we will have a Patreon or a, a podcast sponsor. Who and that knows? would be, that would be incredible. Can I just also um, brag on these two that they've been doing this for half a year, every single week, just crushing it. Um, you know, not getting paid and doing out out of the love of their hearts and for the the future prospect of the what this could be. The money's coming out of our pockets. Let's That's right. just say that. <laughs> but but I feel like we're rounding a corner here. We are. We're actually. Let's just give them the tea. We are talking and very close to signing a contract with a very exciting podcast Ooh. network that is like our dream podcast network. But I hope you guys have been enjoying. You know, all the free, the free hours. content. Yeah. yeah, and it's going to continue to be free. It's just you're going to hear a little ad. And this is the perfect segue to QR ad right now in three, <laughs> two, one. Yeah, but anyways, we have been loving doing Patreon, um, and so many of you guys have joined. So if you do want to join our Patreon for even more content, it's always linked in our show notes. Um, but let's get into today's episode. Marcus is a husband, mm-hmm. a father of almost two. He's a creative genius, an entrepreneur, a real estate mogul. He has probably the most hobbies of anyone you've ever met. And so today we're just going to dive into who is Marcus Johns? Who is Marcus Johns? I told Kristen, we were talking on the phone today. I said, okay, I just want to know who is Marcus Johns? Let's go back to the beginning because most people, they know where you got your start, but they might not know the story or they could be new followers of Kristen mm. or new listeners to the podcast. So we just want to kick it back to, you know, Marcus before he was the mogul Marcus Johns. Mm, the mogul. Yeah. So well, how to, early do you want to start? Start with your first post and what happened and take us down kind of memory lane and we'll interject. And this is starting from the social media career. Because there's like a pre, there's a preamble to the social media career. If that's what we're talking about, my outward facing, like what people know Marcus Johns as, because, well, let me just, can I dive in for a second? I feel like- You start where you want to start. Sure. But I was just going to say, I feel like the last five years I've been Kristen's sidekick and it's been very fun to be that way. Um, To be like the funny side character in her story. And she's like kind of the, she's the main character in the, in the Johns family story. And you're the arm candy. Yeah, and I'm the arm candy, but once upon a time, it wasn't the case, and that's what I think you're referring to, is like, when I was kind of the outward-facing one, and Kristen was the mysterious kind of girlfriend, and then we swapped roles. So people kind of got to know who I was through the social media era of Vine, and then I've kind of like, 
I have all these mysterious hobbies and like, what does Marcus do in the background? And we'll definitely get into that over the last, you know, five years. Basically, the public life of the of Marcus Johns kind of started with Cody Johns. He wanted to be an actor. This is before the stigma of child actors and everything else. Really? There wasn't a stigma yet? I mean, not as prevalent as it is today. Like, you know, we know that every Disney kid who's come through that machine is like, it's, it's very rare that you didn't turn out crazy crazy on the other side of it and this is before this was well known so anyways cody wanted to be an actor my mom had the intuition to not be like yeah cody go to these parties by yourself or whatever and hang out with these people and whatever so my mom was very protective and i think for that reason like we ended up turning out all right but my brother went on this audition long story long my brother went on this audition for a movie called the punisher and he was too old. And they said, do you have, he's great, but he's a little too old. Do you have a younger brother? And my mom was like, Marcus, you should audition. Cody was like, do you should audition? This is a huge audition. There wasn't that many projects that were filming in Florida in the early 2000s at this time. So how old were you? I was nine years old when I auditioned. A baby. This was my first audition. And I thought acting was stupid. I was like, I want to play soccer or whatever I was into. And I just <laughs> thought like, oh, that's Cody's thing. I'm not going to act. And maybe it was a little bit of resentment because Cody like got attention through acting. And I was like, I'm just going to be anti that. But for whatever reason, I was encouraged to do this audition and I booked this audition for this movie called The Punisher. And like now in hindsight, you look back and like, well, that was a big deal because it was a Marvel Comics movie. It was like one of the first Marvel Comics movies. Um, so like, but I don't, I don't, I don't even watch Marvel movies, but being in the MC universe is a huge deal. And it's like, but I don't wait, know if I am or I'm not. Is that movie out? And can we watch it? I think it's on Netflix. It's on what? TV all the time. How it's have some, I never seen it? Are you serious? I have never watched Did you that. know that was a thing? Yeah. I remember you getting a job like that at a young uh-huh. age, but I didn't know it was Marvel. And I didn't know it was that big of a deal. Yeah. It was a big deal back in the day. It, it wasn't the biggest movie at the time. I think it was number two in the box office to kill Bill. <gasps> What? But it was like, it was like a big film. Like a lot of people know, like a lot of like older, like boomer generation people love that film. Okay. Like all the time. Like, oh, that's my favorite film. You're the kid who pops out in the doghouse. You know, like that's, oh so I'm the gosh. Punisher's son in the film. Anyways, the point is that's where my kind of public life began. And it began as like, as like a young kid. And then I did a, another film. I did another movie before Vine. I went to a performing arts school and I had fun doing that, but I was still kind of a scatterbrain, wanted to do my own thing. Didn't really want to pay attention to like, or, um, I always felt that auditioning and and learning lines felt like homework. It was Mm -hmm. something that I felt like I was naturally good at, but I didn't want to do. So I had natural success at it. I had kind of a lucky break, a lucky start. But anyways, from that point on, from when I was 10 and on, it was, you're the kid who was in the movie. You know what I mean? All through my middle school and like high school years. And then Vine happened. And that was, you know, had nothing to do with the, you know, the child actor stuff. And I kind of wanted to get away from that in my, throughout my high school years. Like I did the high school, you know, musicals and like, I was like the lead my senior year. And like, it kind of felt like I, I was always had a little bit of a public life, but it totally changed ultimately when I started Vine. And then quickly after I did Vine, I met Kristen. Um, I will will say though, but like I'm skipping ahead a tiny bit to when I met you, but from when I met you from the start, you were auditioning still. You were doing auditions very regularly, it yeah. felt like, at least to me, because I did not come from that world at mm-hmm. all. So, And every audition felt very overwhelming. Like I oh. couldn't even imagine doing it. And I felt like it made you feel so stressed, but then you would always go in and crush it. And so it was like this catch 22 of like, you hated the auditioning process, but you were so good at it. So it was like, ugh. 
Yeah, I would get, and I had even after the Vine years, I had booked a couple things, some that I just turned down. A lot of the stuff that they would send me, I'd be like, this is trash. I don't like it. And I feel like I always had a mind of like, I've always wanted to be in the driver's seat. I've always wanted to have that creative control. And as I got older, I think I realized like, I don't want, unless there's a role that I can fully create or I fully feel like I, I, you know, I love it. A lot of these silly teeny bopper, like, like Brenda, come to my locker room, like come to my locker and let's hang it. And like all these goofball, like teen horror, whatever movies, like I was getting tons of auditions for it. And I just felt like this stuff sucks. I don't want to be auditioning for it, you know? And that, and I got a lot of that because I was in the teen heartthrob category because of because of the vine stuff so like when i when vine was all happening i got a manager and they're like you should be auditioning for other stuff and so i started ramping up the auditioning at the same time but i was also preoccupied with vine and my heart was kind of more into like i want to tell my own stories and do the comedy route and all of that and so even though i had this idea that oh i want to be like a famous actor one day or i want to do acting when i get older vine happened and it was that early that early season where social media was like, okay, cool. You're vine famous, but don't you want to really have success? Whereas now you see actors and mainstream people being like, wait, I want to start my own podcast. I want to have my own YouTube channel. There's actually more money in that now, but that wasn't the case back in the day. We were making no money and it was like, oh, but I have these, these dreams to still go mainstream, but it was hard to break into the mainstream in the early social media days. Cause there wasn't crossover. It was like, all right, you're on the internet. You stay there. Yeah. So it was just, it was a weird, it was a weird time of life where I was still auditioning, but mm-hmm. then it was like, and then, oh, there's upside cause he has social media, but, uh, can we really believe him on screen? And it almost kind of hurt your career in those totally. early days. And now I feel like there's been such a good crossover where it mixes really well nowadays. Mm-hmm. If you do one, you also do the other. And it's kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. take me back to that video that actually went viral mm-hmm. and where your life actually changed and turned into this big online persona. What's funny is most people on social media have one video that blows up and mm-hmm. then they have a whole character from it and then they can kind of sustain a career off of that. Not most, but a lot. Like you see a lot of YouTubers who just grow and grow and grow and grow and they have a stable audience and whatever. Um, I think I was more on that kind of side of things, even though Vine, typically people who had success had a meteoric rise mm-hmm. and it was due to one sort of video like um, gratata or whatever you want it to be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah. there's a thousand examples of that and then they latch onto this personality and you're like, I want to see more of this and they kind of just ride the wave of that one video. Mm. Most people on Vine went that way. Uh, I did not have that. I had a lot of viral videos back to back to back that were not off of one character. The 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 most identifiable one that if you ask what is a Marcus Johns video, they're gonna go. I guess? Sometimes oh. I just don't care. You know yeah. that's the thing. But that came much after I had already had like maybe I had I think hundred thousand followers or something. But anyways, the point is the the video that I remember mm-hmm. being the most successful was. I jumped on a, I went, I said something like, I don't, I don't know. I just screamed something <laughs> stupid. And I jumped off a second story, um, like building in my call at my college. And I slid down a, a palm tree and it was like, <gasps> and that was the that. first video that went on the popular page. That video is a nothing video compared to my whole catalog of the rest of the vines. But I remember that day, I don't even remember, maybe it got 5,000, like, likes on it or something, but it was the first time I had ever gotten on the popular page. And I was like, oh, I remember 25 on the popular page like I'm I'm famous you know and then at that point it was just a slow growth but 
Wow. Yeah, it went from zero to 50,000 the first month, 50 to 300 um, by the third month, by the second month, and then 300,000 to a million by the third month. So it just was boom, boom, and then a million to two million by the fourth month. And then it just kept growing, kept growing, kept growing. To, to not fast forward, but to like, preface what happened with vine because i feel like some people don't even aren't even familiar with like what vine was mm-hmm. but it was kind of just like what was it a f- three second video six second six second video and it was mainly comedy mm-hmm. it's like today's tiktok kind of yes but how many followers did you have at the point of when vine got deleted from the app store i think it was like it was like 6.7 million or... That is just so crazy because I think of all of the work that I've put into like my YouTube channel for the past 10 years and I have 700,000 subscribers. And to think if YouTube just got deleted and mm-hmm. I'm just like every follower, like it's it takes so long and it's so hard to gain an audience. Mm. I just can't believe that that happened to so many creators with Mm -hmm. Vine where it was just like, oh, you have 10 million followers. Well, hope you did something with it. Bye. Mm -hmm. And then the app just got deleted. And it also puts into perspective, I think, especially for anyone involved or me who was like secondhand involved, it's like you got to do your own things because you never know where these platforms are going to go. And so, yeah, doing things like the book or the podcast and Marcus has a million things that he does too. It's like, I think that's why we've diversified so much too, partly maybe subconsciously is because we know it's not always going to be there. It's not always going to be there and you don't have the control. Totally. Like I don't have the control of Instagram just one day deletes my profile. And then it's like, oh, hope Vine, you did something. Looking at it though, Vine is a crazy example of being like, look at every other social media platform. Have you ever seen another social media platform just ex- just disappear? It doesn't happen. Things fall off, but things don't just go delete by. It's kind of wild that this happened, when even that, in hindsight. Sorry, when that happened, did you have like kind of like, who the heck am I without this? No, it was actually, um, so at the end of Vine, there's all these kind of, documentaries and people that are talking about like how did Vine end and and XYZ and everyone has all these theories about it. There's a bunch of controversial stuff about like, oh, did, um, did, was there a coup of Viners who held it hostage and like, you know, like a (laughs) bunch of goofy theories. And ultimately this is what happened at the end of Vine. The entire last year of Vine, to answer your question before I go into a deep dive of how Vine died. Yeah. I was ready for it to go. Really? Yeah, emotionally. Why? It's like, have you ever like, this is a really morbid, weird example, but like, you know when you have, when you've built like a house of cards or like a Jenga tower, anything, you have it and you know it's like built on all the stuff, but you're also kind of like, I'm exhausted trying to like be like, oh, this card fell, but let me kind of like pick it back up. And you Mm -hmm. see that the tower is decaying. You see that it's going away. Like, Part of you wants to just take your hand and just smash it, flip the whole board and say, I'm, I'm over this. Like I was, you know, I'd been doing it for three, three and a half, almost four years. And I was just like, I'm tired of doing six second videos. There's only, you can only do it for so much. You see it with YouTubers. There's right. creator burnout. There's creative burnout on every single level. Actors don't want to act anymore. Directors, they want to get to the next thing. Everyone wants to evolve and everyone wants to change. It gets boring doing the same thing. Um, especially with the format of six seconds. And so I was ready for it to just 
be over. I remember like being in the shower a couple times, like kind of just like crying, being like, I wish it would just kind of all end the pressure of like having to create something every wow. day and outdo yourself. And like, and you know, it's like a young 20 year old. Like, I think it was like 21 or 22. I was just kind of like, Oh, like the pressure of it all. Like I'd, I wish that it just kind of went away. And also too, comedy evolves over time. And I remember looking at my earlier vines and I was like, this is cringe. Like part of me just wishes that it would all get erased. <laughs> and so the whole last year of vine, the answer is I, I secretly kind of was happy and relieved that it went away. Wow. But that's a gift at the same time, the way it went away was kind of weird and unexpected. Um, and the whole last year of vine, it, nobody was posting anything new. It became this, like, you know, when you go on Facebook today and you're just like, what is this goofy timeline? Like, I don't even, there's all this goo you don't even follow. And you're like, what is this? This sucks. Like mm -hmm. remember when you used to follow things and you would see things that you liked and you actively followed those things. And, and then every, all the algorithm has changed and blah, blah, blah. That's what happened to Vine. You used to follow people that you liked that you thought were funny. Yeah. These unique, interesting personalities. And then people at the top of the Vine pyramid the top creators did this thing called Revine for Revine, where basically it's like a retweet, okay? They would post a video, and let's say I have six million followers, you have three million followers. I would say, you revine one of my, uh, you revine two of my videos, and I'll revine one of yours. A two to one ratio, right? Because I have twice the, follow, the following, excuse me. And so, people would essentially not make any new content. The platform became extremely stagnant, and people would only re they would create these extensive networks of revine systems where it's like, uh, oh, actually, since you've already revined two of my videos, get one of your friends that has twi two times less the followers of you. So where they owe you four and you owe me two. And then it just like your videos got Ew. passed around. It was so That's weird. It was so like brokering weird. different like trades and stuff. And it became this huge spider web of you just kept seeing the same videos come on your timeline. It was the predecessor to out to modern algorithms today, but the creators kind of invented it. And the reason why they did that instead of creating new content was they're like, if I can just, if I know this video performed insane and already has like 15 million likes, as soon as you see a video with 15 million likes, you're like, okay, it's gotta be good, I'll watch it. And they would just push that same video, push it over and over and over again, because they're like, why would I waste my time making new content for it to not perform as much, not get the reach, and I don't get the followers, and ultimately it was about making money, or and people weren't even making that much money on Vine, but they would be able to say, hey, look, I have videos and followers that, like, at this rate, and you'd be able to grow faster by doing a Revine for Revine. So ultimately, no new content was being made. People got, a, a, like, kind of bored with the app, and it just kind of degenerated on, like, the idea that there was nothing new. You'd show up, and there's nothing new. And your favorite creators kind of stopped and then negativity kind of started to like settle in because of the way that Vine was degenerating. And, and I think Vine ultimately pulled it because they saw the writing on the wall. It got expensive. Um, they weren't growing. The app wasn't growing anymore. And so do you feel like the catalyst was Instagram going to videos? No, really? In fact, that happened in the first like three or four months of Vine's existence. Okay. When Instagram video came out, everyone thought, oh no, Vine's dead. But what happened ultimately was the Vine community, you have your average person taking, Vine's tagline was beautiful looping videos. Vine initially um, branded themselves um, to be Instagram, right? And then it turned into this comedy app. They didn't expect for it to turn into a comedy app. What happened was when people were, when everyone jumped on Vine in the beginning, it was the first, 
short form video sharing platform. Like you couldn't do that easily back in 2013. So everyone was vi taking videos of like, that, 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 my cat, eh, and all the videos sucked. There wasn't anything funny. And then people started doing comedy. It was like, oh, that's funny. And then that was, I think it, it really birthed the modern day viral content itself. Um, and, and meme culture that we, that as we know of today. But, but when all of those at when the average Joe were like, oh, I already have a following on Instagram. I'm just going to do this. Bleh, bleh, bleh. Like, here's my Doritos. Here's the cats. Here's me eating. The, you know, they just moved over to Instagram. But the people who are funny and were growing, they stayed on Vine. And Vine turned into a YouTube type of platform where it was a creator-consumer relationship, not um, you watching your friends and keeping up to date with them. So it actually kind of elevated the creator on the Vine app. And, and I think that Vine the creators on Vine benefited from that relationship a little bit. So no, it wasn't, it, it wasn't Instagram moving over that killed Vine in some way. It killed the average daily user, but it didn't, it didn't stop people from logging in and watching funny videos. Um, moving kind of past like the Vine days. That's when me and you met was kind of at the end of Vine, mm -hmm. right? No, I always kind no, of forget. actually in the beginning of Vine. Really? Yeah. We met in the beginning of Vine, like the like the um the beginning middle-ish. Remember, Vine came out yeah. in twenty thirteen of January, and then and I only started in March, and then I met you in in November one time briefly, something like that, and then we met in January. So it had been a year into Vine ultimately, and yeah. it was at its peak at, at around mid twenty fourteen. So me and you were together during the peak of Vine. And and it was the peak. Like I was 19 when I met you. I had never been exposed to anything in the creative world, like acting, internet, fame, anything like that. And it was very shocking to see it manifesting in real life, how famous you were. And how much of like you were actually now that I look back at it, it's like Zac Efron in High School Musical. It's like that's how girls were like seeing you as this like hot guy that they just like were screaming to get to to take a picture with. And I it was it was so shocking to see mm. in real life. And then I remember people would line up like crowds would form people would line up to take pictures of you girls screaming it's not like that these days i feel like people kind of know to act a little bit different maybe mm -hmm. not with like young teeny J justin yeah. bieber i don't know probably people still scream over him but it was just so crazy to see and i didn't really know how to deal with it and it never really made me jealous but it just made me like I think I just felt like, okay, if I stick with this guy, I am going to be Marcus John's girlfriend, Marcus John's wife mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Cause you I didn't like that or you did no, and, and not in a negative, just genuinely. Did that freak you out having that thought? Genuinely, it did not freak me out. And genuinely, I didn't feel like I was ever going to be anything more than that because I knew I did not want to go the attention that I was receiving at that point in time you saw and you were like ew like I don't want to have that type of limelight on me 
Yeah, like I never wanted to be in the limelight. Yeah. So that's why I knew I would I would always be in your shadow. And I right. was like, that's something I'm going to have to accept right. if I stay on this path of dating you. Yeah. And I just remember my friends in college were like, it's sad how you're just like, people just come up to you as Marcus John's girlfriend. I genuinely never felt, or at least that I can remember... <laughs> At least that I can remember, I never felt sad by it. I honestly just felt like you were so impressive and so successful. And I was just like, wow. I just felt like, wow, you deserve all this fame and success. But that's not something I wanted for my life. Mm -hmm. So it's just funny now that the, the tables have turned in a way. Like people, I think everyone that follows me is still aware of totally. you. And like knows who you are. This is very but on the rare. Side, but on the side character. It's like the, the 100% of people who know, not 100, well, maybe. It's probably like 90 to 80% of people who know Kristen know who I am. And it's because Kristen does a good job displaying me and it's kind of part of the package Display. deal. Displaying me. But like, like a beautiful photo. But like in terms of like people who will still come up to me, they'll be like, oh, dude, you're the, and if they remember my name, it's like a 50-50 shot. They'll be like, you're the Vine guy. What's your, ma Marcus. Oh my God, yeah. And they'll be like, and then they'll see Kristen next to me and they'll have no idea who she is. Yeah, that's true. And so true. like 7 million people, like there's way more people who knew me, saw me, than followed me. But like, sure, like my following was like 10 times what your YouTube following is, but your YouTube following is 10 times more engaged and people actually keep up to date with you and they actually care about like what you have to say, whatever. So I guess the point is the people who come up to me don't always and very often don't know who Kristen is, but people who know Kristen definitely know who I am. And that's a weird, it's a weird thing because the people who followed me were so just like, it was fangirls, it was like, ah! It was kind of like faddish, but you know? don't you also think that a lot of your fans were guys thinking, "Oh, this dude is funny," and so a lot of the people that still come up to you are more so the dudes that are just like, "Dude, great videos," you know, whatever. Compared to Kristen, has such a large female base audience. Totally, my demographics were always sixty forty on Vine, so sixty percent girls, forty percent men. Usually like I'll have guys come up to me and they're like, Hey bro, like, by the way, like funny videos, cool. Good to see. It's now that I'm 30 and most of our followers are maybe they're, maybe they skew maybe five to 10 years max younger than me, but it's kind of weird for a 30 year old woman or a 27 year old woman to come and be like, Marcus, like they probably had those feelings when they were 16 to 21, but it's like, you're not going to get that now. They know I'm married with a second kid on the way. They probably are married with kids. It's like, it's a different, it's a different energy. And, and, um, what yeah, I mean, I want to talk about the early, I want to get your perspective on the early years of Vine and how you felt and how that changed and, and talking about the change. I think that's special. I don't ever think of it. And I think that they'll think that's interesting. Okay. So I just didn't want to get too far ahead in the timeline. Cause I think this is like really oh, yeah, cool yeah. to talk about. Yeah, we never like, talk about this. Like talking about like when I met you, what it was like yes. and then that transition. Yes. Well, from my perspective, since I didn't know anything about social media, you know, I was just posting pictures of my dog on Instagram with the Valencia filter. Like right. that was the <laughs> extent of my social media use, mm -hmm. which I think you liked that because you knew yes. I was not pure <laughs> <laughs> not pure but like you knew i wasn't some girl trying to get on the come up 100 percent. that was the most attractive thing about you was 
and this was a short season of life, and I don't say this in a egotistical way, but there were like every single day girls throwing themselves like, oh my God. And it's, that no, was no. the most detestable girls, thing to me. Literally, I'm not joking, throwing themselves out of their cars, out of the window. If me and Marcus were Stopping like on our Stopping traffic scooter, wherever, didn't matter. It, it was, it was like. And dude, that's the last thing that you want. Some dudes like, like the, and I'm not going to name names. I think just genuinely it's flattering for sure. But I think generally in in life, like you want what you can't have. And I knew at that point, I knew I was never going to have. So it felt I never was going to have another genuine relationship again. Now, obviously Vine's dead. Who gives a rip? I've become a little bit more anonymous. I've kind of worked to have that in some ways, which has been nice because I lost that. And you, and you know, it's, it can be kind of difficult not being able to like go out of your house and people know who you are. And I think time has kind of like softened that and there's not a bunch of screaming fangirls anymore. And you know, you can see the arc of that. You see the, whatever it was, the MagCon kids and then the Jacob Sartorius. And then now I'm too old. Don't even know who the new kids are. Right. But like I was that kid for a short season of time. And in that season, you think to yourself, Oh my gosh, this is, my life for the rest of my life. And I wanted something that was genuine. And Kristen was, you know, not only did I, did I, did I have, um, at that point in time, like a lot of, you know, like girls being like, ah, as soon as you have that, you're just like, okay, I'm not going to be able to even talk to you. But she was the most beautiful number one, which was very lucky. Cause she is, I mean, she just is. But on top of that, she was very genuine and she didn't pursue me. And that was the thing that was like, oh, and I had met her through my sister, through an organic relationship, and she was going to a Bible study with my sister. And that's why when I, and there's, we've talked about how I, uh, you know, met you on a few other YouTube videos, but briefly, like I saw a picture of her and I was like, who is that girl, Shelby? And I just was infatuated, I was infatuated by her and I don't know why that was, but the more I, it's almost like in that picture that I saw of her, she was Snapchatting my sister back and forth. When I saw that picture... I just almost immediately knew her essence and I could feel it from the other side of the phone. I could just sense that you were genuine and that you were gentle and that you weren't this person who like wanted something out of me. You didn't want, she didn't even want me because she was texting my sister and I was the one who pursued her. But I just think that whole, the way it all played out, I immediately knew that she just had a, it's weird, but like when you can look at a photo of someone, you can just tell what their soul is like. That's how it was for her. And so anyways, the point is I knew it was going to be a genuine relationship. I knew that it was safe because my sister had, you know, more or less authenticated it before I even got to meet her. And I was like, I can have an authentic, genuine, organic relationship with this girl. That's not like this girl comes up to me off the street. He's like, Vine. And that was like, oh, I got to take this chance while I can. And I was like, Shelby, can you like set us up? Like, who is this girl? And she was like, oh, this is my friend. Like, and I'm like, yes, I want to meet her. Like when, when we both get back to college, as we were on our winter break going home, I was like, set up a, a time where we can meet. She's like, okay, we'll go to church together at the same time. I'm like, I'm there, you know? And then, mm-hmm. and then you can, we'll, we can talk about, other things. But I just want to say, I saw that opportunity and I was like, I want this girl. This is my last chance before who knows I moved to LA and things are crazy. And I just knew I was like, for my own sanity, like this girl's going to save me. And she did, you know, I loved all of that. But you know, imagine Kristen, if you didn't come around, where would my life have gone? Oh gosh, I have no, do you know what I'm I'm saying? I'm not saying it would be bad. I'm just saying I have no idea. Like where, 
you'd probably be in Madagascar jumping off mountains or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or I would have turned out like any of these other like top social media guys where I just chased and chased and it would have just been empty. And like I could be way more famous now for for what, dude? One thing that I love so much about you guys, though, is you're so similar in so many ways, but you're so different mm. and you both bring out the best qualities in each other. Mm -hmm. Just you saying like Kristen saved you, whatever. It's like she adds so much to your life, but vice versa. Like you guys have such a interesting like dynamic and like the, the life that you live is so unique, but like you both offer so much to each other. That's so sweet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think when they say opposites attract, that is very much me and Marcus. Mm. In a lot of ways, we're actually very similar and have a lot of similar interests, but like all the worst parts of me are like the best parts of Marcus. All the worst parts of Marcus are like the best parts of me. So we really do balance each other out. And it's just been, I think our growth together has been so crazy. And like when Marcus did want to take a step back from social media, it was definitely a hard transition because I'm like, wait, 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 what? Because but it wasn't this formal declaration. It just happened no. slowly. It was just like, I can't post. I just became less active and you took the baton, you know? Yeah. And it all, but I wouldn't, who, who knows where I would be if I hadn't met you? Cause you I would be working sure. for some, you know, probably something very noble, like a nonprofit, like you had talked about something there, but it like, but the world wouldn't know who you are probably, maybe not. I'm not saying that in an no, arrogant 100%. way. I just, I think that you wouldn't have chose the path that you chose because I kind of thrust you into this world. And I'm so glad that I did because the world needs to know who Chris and John's is. But also I think that that's, I think people can tell. I think the reason why you're so, um, why fans, when they find you, they latch on to you. It's like, you don't, you're not like one of these girls that got, you know, 30 million followers or whatever. And it was like, like you have the engagement and the following of someone who legitimately has like 15 to 30 million followers. It's because people who found you are like, they know it's real. You get what I'm trying to say? I, I, it's, I hate to sound corny when I say this, but they know it's real. And I think they know it's real because cause you are real. And typically speaking, people who get into this industry are not real. Mm. They see it. They want it. I'll do what I can to get it. Mm. You didn't want it. You weren't going after it. I feel like I found this diamond. <laughs> In a, in, a, in a cave that nobody knew about. You know what I mean? Not that you didn't have suitors and tons of guys after you as well. I'm just saying like in terms of the internet or like popular, I found this diamond in a cave that I was like, everyone's got to see this thing and it just shines for itself. You know what I mean? And, and you wouldn't have done it on your own. And so... Um, I will say you really... Forced you to you do it. You forced me yeah. to do this. Like I remember when you were shooting that Q&A at my house in Florida, you were like, I have to do a YouTube video. I think you actually had some sort of contract where you had to do like a certain amount of YouTube videos. Yeah, that's right. And you were like, I, Kristen, I have to do this YouTube video. I told Marcus, I was like, I'm never going to be on video with you. We still have videos on our, like our first phones together where you would take out your phone to video and me and I no. would literally yeah. run away. Yeah. Like I was so camera shy. So the fact that you wanted me to be in a YouTube video, I was like, I'm not doing that. This was six months after we were dating, by the way, too. Yeah. Like it was a long time. You still refused. And you were like, 
I don't know how I don't know how you ended up convincing me to do that first Q and A video mm-hmm. with you. I still like vividly remember that video. And you didn't know this, but I was like, and everyone's gonna follow Kristen right now. Here's the link. And I hadn't even set up her YouTube channel yet, but I like said, it, and she was like, "What, really?" And then after she was like, "But seriously, don't." And then I like made her do it, and I made the YouTube channel. She made me a YouTube channel, and I copied the link, and so everyone clicked, and she got like. I think 7,000 followers, that was her start, and then she took it from there. She had 7,000 followers the first day, and then now she's got, she 100X'd it, you know? And I remember feeling like, okay, he made my YouTube channel. I have 7,000 people waiting for me to post a video. Then he bought me a laptop. Then he bought me a camera. Then he bought me editing software. Then he taught me how to edit. And I was like, I actually like have no excuse. Like I have to do this. I feel guilty at this point. Mm -hmm. He spent so much time and money to make me do this. And looking back now, I'm like, Marcus, what did you even see in me to be like, I know you're going to be a successful whatever creator online? Like what? Like, I was so shy. Like, what did you see in me that would be authenticity? Really? It was just, yeah, it was, it was authenticity. That's the thing that translates most. I think that's why we love people on the internet who are a little bit weird and quirky or who have like a, Mm -hmm. probably some sort of mental disorder, you know, like those (laughs) people are the most beloved. Those are the most beloved people. And what I'm trying to say is that you have a mental disorder. (laughs) I know that I do and that's not even like joking but um maybe you have to to do social media full-time but I mean even even you used to and you can watch her original videos she had like a a funny lisp it's not often that you hear girls with a lisp too but she had this very funny super cute and she's worked hard to get rid of it I think is my theory and the only reason why I say that is because when she was when she was um, in sixth or seventh grade, she told me, I saw videos, I couldn't believe it, of Kristen had an extremely thick Southern accent from yeah. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. She got made fun of it for it, it, it in school. And she got rid of it that next summer. She just said, I just I, I worked hard to just get rid of it. And when you started, used to have, play a clip, she had a very... Like, she was like this, and she used to talk like this. <laughs> and I was like, this is the sweetest, cutest thing I've ever seen. It was like a baby deer. And she got made fun of for it on online. And I think, and I think you've gotten older and like we, our voices just change. Change. They just change. They get, they get deeper. They, and, and you still have a very high pitched voice, but like, but they, I even think culturally we talk differently just over the years. And so I think that you still have that same essence, but it was even more that way. And that's all I'm trying to say was it was very authentic and was very different. And it's just funny. I got made fun of. Oh my gosh. Every comment, if it wasn't just a nice comment, it was, what is her voice? And now I don't get any comments about my voice. But that's how she actually was. She wasn't putting it on for the camera. That's who she was then. But And she's changed, and so have I. Totally. You know, over those but when I first met both of you, Kristen was like, hi, how are you? Yeah. You know, it was 2017, I think. Yeah. And, and I still feel like you have that voice, but it's so different now. I wonder... I think it's looking back at those videos, it's like shocking to me to, to hear my voice like that. But in reality, I was 19 years old. And she might as well have been 15 in terms of like, and I say this in the best way, like your parents sheltered you in the right way. 
you went to you went to school and whatever you did the normal Christian stuff. School you know was, what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you played travel volleyball, and it's like, and your 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 network was very like. Um, it was very like, uh, what's Sheltered. the word? Yeah, but like uh, very scheduled. There wasn't a lot of room for deviation. And I remember like just a quick story. I'm sorry to cut you off, but a quick story of like the first time I had ever spent time with oh, Kristen was. Oh, do not expose me. No, I'm going to. I it's so funny. So, so this is how Kristen was. Okay. No, no, babe. The first time I ever met her. Sure, it's embarrassing, but you would never do this no, now. This horrifying. is horrifying. Yeah. So let's talk about it just for a second. She, the first time I had met, I'm going to do a very, very fast, um, cause we've already talked about this on the internet somewhere, but, um, I was like, I wanted to get to know Kristen on her first date and I was like, or I wouldn't have a first date. And I remember Shelby was like, let's go get ice cream. Um, there's going to be a few girls, but Kristen's going to be there. This is the first time I met her after church and like, you know, shaking her hand and saying hello. She was like, you know, um, my sister was like, come, come to this, uh, where did we, we went to Brewster's ice cream. And, um, so anyways, we go to Brewster's and like, you know, I meet her, blah, blah, blah. And I heard her say, oh yeah, all of my friends are going to, um, passion, passion conference, which is like a big, like Christian, like music conference and, uh, and like speaking conference. And, um, she was like, I, I, I like, I won't. I heard in her voice, she was disappointed she couldn't go. I was like, oh, well, I already have, I can get free tickets for sure. Like, so I, I already got them. So like, I'll just give them to you. You're like, what? No way. Really? Oh my gosh. That'd be so amazing. I didn't have the tickets. I went on Twitter immediately and I was like, hey, does anyone have any tickets uh, that I can get? Um, and I met some person, I don't even remember who it was, but then they gave me tickets or like, I, I think I bought them from them, but they were sold out. So it was like hard to get. Anyways, I got the tickets, gave them to her. We all went as a friend group. Here's the story. We went into a restaurant all together and we were paying for the bill and it was like all of us there and I wasn't about to be like, Hey, let me pay for you, Kristen. Cause like we weren't on that level. I was still kind of courting her and it wasn't an official date. So everyone was kind of getting their own bill and Kristen gets her bill and I see her put cash on the, uh, on the bill. Like she, she pays for it, signs it. She, the, the tip was like $6 or something. Right. And then she puts $6 in cash, and then she writes in the tip, $6. So she double tipped, and I was like, oh my gosh, whoa, big spender, baby. I said something like that, and I was like, whoa, double tipping, nice. And she's like, oh, no, I just tip. no, I'm not a double, I'm not double tipping, I'm just, and I was like, no, you are, that's so cool. Like, and then she's like, basically, I'm like, well, you know you're double tipping, right? And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I was like, Kristen, you just put $6 down on your tip and you put $6 cash on the table, which means that it's $6 cash plus the $6. You know those $6 are going on your credit card or your debit card or whatever it is? She was like, no, I'm just writing down what I'm putting, what I'm leaving. I'm like, that's not how it works. And there were so (laughs) many things like that in her life that first year that I met where she just genuinely didn't know, just completely oblivious. And, and that, that was Kristen, just ultimately sheltering. Like, how many times clearly did she pay for a dinner with her debit card? Probably not that many, or maybe a lot. And she was double tipping her whole life. Yeah. Either way, the point is, you know, there were many things like that where she just didn't understand. And, I was like, and I just wanted to take care of this girl. You know, exactly. After that. And that's what you love most about her. Because I feel like you were always attracted from what it sounds like to like the things that were just like sweet and innocent. Yes. And real and not just like this cool person. Yes. Which obviously Kristen has cool assets for sure. Not many, but no, just kidding. (laughs) I was very naive. Mm -hmm. I didn't 
know much no. <laughs> about the world. I was just... That was cool. That was the best part. Yeah. So I felt like I could be the one to show you the world, you know? <laughs> and I feel like you really did. And I learned how to take care of myself really in college. And then I feel like fast forward to getting married and starting my YouTube channel. I've said this before, but that's what made me find out who I was mm-hmm. and get, and gave me confidence and knowledge and felt like, oh, people actually care about what I have to say. And I think going back to the voice change, as you get more confident and more secure in yourself. It reflects in your voice. I think naturally. it does reflect yeah. in your voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, yes, that's what, you know, when you, it's the same thing when you see like, you know, like, like 13 year old giggly girls. Last night we were at an ice cream place getting James ice cream. It was actually boys. It was like a basketball, uh, like a bunch of basketball kids coming from their tournament and they're all just like, (laughs) and you're just just like, you can hear in people's voice. They just don't know. Like, you know what I mean? They're still young. And Kristen had that in the best way, not in a way where I was like, this girl's an idiot. It was just in the best way where she had a genuine, pure, gentle heart that wasn't corrupted by the world. That was the, and I had felt like I had opened Pandora's box that I could never have that again. Just to round out the story, I think the last interesting detail is that I had met Kristen in January of 14, that semester, that next semester, the, the first semester I got straight C's because I was going back and forth to California for all these opportunities. And then my, my professor was like, I had just signed with UTA and there was like a big, like, you know, whatever news spread a couple of different, like people like picked it up and like it had gotten around like in uh, my it was for media production was like the degree that I was going for. I was a transfer student. So I had, by the way, that's probably pertinent information. I had went to FSU. I was a new student there for six months. And Kristen, that was her first year as well, because I was two grades older than Kristen, almost three years older than her. And um, and so anyways, like um, I had went there one semester because I promised my parents like, hey, I would go to college. And then ultimately my professor like they were talking about how I got signed with UTA and I was almost never in class. And she was like, people go to college and dream of getting opportunities that you already have. You need to leave and you can always come back to college. When my professor told me that, that's when I was like, peace. Like I'm, I'm actually out. There's no guilty part of me. And like now in 2024, over 10 years later, we're all like, nobody, you don't have to go to college unless you literally need to go to college. And definitely in this case, I didn't, I didn't have to go to college. And that was a very radical thing 10 years ago. It was like, it was right when people started to understand like, wait, college debt and all this stuff. And is this really necessary? It was very taboo to be like, don't finish college in this era, the end of it, but it was the end of that era. Um, and, uh, and so it was still a real big risky thing for me to say, all right, I'm going to leave. I still ended up doing the beginning of the next semester because I was more probably because I was like, I want to see Kristen and I had already had this lease for the rest of the year. I knew that I was probably going to be moving to LA very soon. My brother had already lived out there for the last year. So when I had met Kristen, I knew I was like, this is the girl. I told my parents, I told Kristen that we're probably going to get married and I would just, I'm going to have to probably transfer on our first date. I'm going to move to LA. I'm probably going to be dropping out and I'll just, I'll pay for your college and just transfer you to just move out to California. I literally said all this crazy stuff and I said, we're getting married on the first day. First actual date. Yeah. All this stuff. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, but she knew it was kind of the sad thing where I was like, I'm going to have to leave and I don't know what I'm going to do with Kristen, but I'm not going to stop Kristen like with Kristen. Um, but I have to pursue this and have to strike while the iron's hot. And I'm so glad I did because maybe we wouldn't be sitting in this thing and you have a successful podcast if we didn't like 
Because at that point, I probably only had like 3 million followers and there was still a lot more growth and opportunities and people to meet. And I was young. And so I'm glad I ultimately moved to LA. And, you know, I'm working with people to this day right now on the 100 Pages movie because of people I met in LA. So definitely was worth moving out there for sure to build the relationships and everything else. But I was like, I don't want, I don't know what I'm going to do with Kristen. And so I just said it straight up. I, it was this weird thing where it was like, this relationship is like destined to fail. It was almost like a Romeo and Juliet situation where it's like, am I really going to long distance date this girl for three years while she finishes up college and she's her, there in her freshman year? And like, what is she going to do? Just like drop everything and move to California. And so obviously we didn't do that, but I, we did a grueling three and almost a half years of long distance. Mm-hmm right when we had fallen in love with each other. And then it was tough, but that like battle tested our relationship because it's like, you know, thinking about Kristen, she's like, oh, he's off in LA doing all these crazy things. I can only imagine what she's thinking. And then she's like in this house, like with these three other girls, like, and she's busy and you know, it was challenging on our relationship, but ultimately like we stuck it through. There wasn't any cheating or anything where it was like, oh yeah, Marcus being a playboy bachelor. Like, but it was just like, you go throughout the whole day and we don't text, we don't call because I'm busy. She's in the middle of her, you know, um, her Classes. class schedule and everything else. And so that was crazy that we made it, dude. I know. It's it crazy. It actually is looking back. but Crazy, dude. I think it's because we were both like, at the end of this, we will get married and be together. And I think we just genuinely loved each other so much and knew we would never find someone like each other again yes so it was like we're gonna have to make this work and it was grueling and it was me crying so much and long distance is so hard but you would fly me out to LA as much as you could and and then I finished college you finished college which now I'm like why did I do that you but, didn't get your good. degree. I didn't get my degree. Which is crazy. Because I have three more credits. <laughs> and then FSU reached out and then... Oh yeah, but I am going to finish it and that will be... And I hope she does and I want to make a whole documentary about that Marcus too. Marcus wants to make a documentary about me finishing my last three credits. Can we say what they said? <laughs> yeah. They reached out to you and they said, Kristen, we would love for you to... Finish. Did they say that you should speak or something or was that all my dream? That was your dream. Okay, I think that she should be able to teach a <laughs> class at FSU. I thought that would be sick. That like if she did nice. like, I thought what would be cool is if Kristen could do like some sort of online class, but if she went there for like a week or two and like did her last social media credit class or whatever it is, and she could teach, she could be like a student, but also like have like a speaking day about like, Hey guys, like I'm here to finish my degree. Go get your degree. Um, this is what dreams are made of. I love Lizzie McGuire. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and that's what like, I, I don't know. And I thought like, how cool would it be to have like her have like a mini Ted talk almost at FSU. And the talk is a part of her getting her very degree, how like full circle that would be. Anyways, I'm pitching it. I hope you guys like it. I hope FSU likes it. Uh, anyways, long distance and we made it work and we I'm so glad. Work. And that's incredible. And no. congratulations, babe. I- and she got the separation from me to, to, be able to find her voice and do her social media in the FSU years and like be this college dorm room girl and get to vlog and and have, you could see the growth over those three years. And I don't think she could have done that if I was like, you're coming out with me, baby, to LA. You know what I mean? And you're going to be my arm candy, baby. It's like, she got to be her. Yeah. How great. I got to spend time with my friends and really... Yeah, because it's not like you were ever like, okay, Kristen, these are the types of videos you should do. You were just like, you should do videos. 
And then I got to find myself and like I look back at my little 19 year old self in my dorm room vlogging, going thrifting with, you know, my friends. It's really. Yeah. And, and that's like it wasn't in the era where everyone was doing that. You were still kind of earlyish, even though you felt mm-hmm. late to the game because I had millions of followers. I'm no, never going to catch up. Or it's like and then you've absolutely eclipsed me. And then by the time you had moved out, to, uh, we got married, you moved out to L.A. It was within that year that it already felt like you had more going for you than than even I did you but know then we were doing a lot together right a lot of coupley stuff yes let's say like half of our content was like together coupley mm-hmm. things and now I feel like as we've grown even older we've started a family we've learned the value of just like a little bit more separation totally and privacy and um or we just have separate brands yeah. like because we do daily life so much that it's like feels so contrived to be like, Yahoo, couples, couple of us. Yeah, that's a very yeah, early twenties like, thing to do. And like excuse my language, but like I just don't want to like hoe out our relationship yeah, anymore. Like yeah. it's very sacred to me. And it's like I've found the good boundaries that feel comfortable for both of us with James, with you, with like my private life. And I'm on your podcast, even though I'm talking a lot and I'm sorry, but I just feel like I have to get out all of these things. I don't have an outlet where I get to do it too often. <laughs> I will soon, hopefully. But um, like, I know I'm on your podcast. And so we can have this discussion. I know ultimately I'm going to defer to you if you're like, don't talk about that, whatever, like that's how it's going to be. But it definitely put a strain on the, on the relationship too, being like, me and you are YouTube and we got to be, and this was never our thought going into it, but ultimately like the vibe of like YouTube couple goals and all of this, it like, you don't set out to do that, but then you get the pressure to be that in the middle of it all. And then and it was I will like, say we were like one of the first like YouTube couple, like we didn't go into it being like, let's be a YouTube couple. Exactly. You know, and uh, yeah, sure. Like we didn't invent it, but also like we weren't looking to emulate what other people were doing. We were just doing what we were doing and we had to come together and find a way where we we're going to both do this thing on a public platform. And, uh, it w- it had its challenges because it was like, are you in charge? Am I in charge? I guess we're both doing it together, but we have our own separate voices. And then, yeah, we found a way to where we're like, okay, we're doing life together. We ultimately fell in love and our relationship had nothing to do with the public persona at all because we had our, our our relationship private for a half a year you know what i'm saying it had nothing to do with like oh we're getting all these likes and followers because of because when we kiss people like it baby you know like that wasn't happening and so i think we ultimately knew like we just wanted each other and and uh and the content was easy mm-hmm. obviously and it was an era and we did it but yeah our relationship happens off camera obviously people think like when they watch us they're like oh and this is them but it's just, it's like 1% of what we allow people to see. And that's what everyone has to realize. And we're admitting that as well, of course. You know, there's challenges. And that was a very challenging season. But mm-hmm. we have our own thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like glad for it, you know. I'm very glad for it. I'm glad that you're doing the podcast with John. Um, you know, I'm glad that like, you know, I'm doing like my movie stuff. And I'm doing my social media stuff. And there's no pressure to be like, all right, we got to do this together. And, you know, it's like, we it's, can just be creative on our own. It really is. I think it just comes down to like settling into what we ultimately like what our ultimate goals are and what our ultimate goals are are different Mm -hmm. so it's definitely taken like oh it's not a parallel marcus and Kristen rise to like what they want it's Mm -hmm. like you're doing your own creative things i'm doing my own creative things but that doesn't mean our marriage is any less Mm -hmm. special or sacred to ourselves but 
as we wrap up the podcast, because I feel like I have so much more to talk to you about. Okay. But it can be a long podcast too. <laughs> Which that's the thing. We need Marcus on multiple podcasts to dive into all of this fun stuff. And for those who aren't watching on Patreon, we only have two mics today. So Kristen and I have been sharing. So excuse the weird sound bite, but Yeah. Sorry, I feel like John, I've had the microphone this whole time. That's but good. um the last thing, how about John, you talk to Marcus at the end about about hundred pages to wrap it up and, okay. and get everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. on the And same sorry, page. it's just been a me and Kristen podcast. No, this is this is what I love. This is so good. And I obviously have known you guys for so long, but I didn't know a lot of the stuff that you're saying. So really? it's so sweet to hear. Yeah. You came in the picture in twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So the first year you guys got married is when I met you at CV and Cezanne's baby shower. Do you, have you seen an evolution even since then? Of both of you, yes. a million percent. Can you, I want to hear the third person perspective. Well, because when I met you guys, you guys were both 100% in couple content only, basically. Right. You had just got Honeybee. She was a puppy oh when gosh. I met you guys. And um, you guys were just like this young, newlywed couple in LA doing social media. Right. So... And now, obviously, like I've been with you through Viral the Musical, <laughs> we've done so much together, me and you in LA, Kristen and I did so much together with Kristen Made Stuff, I've had such sweet relationship with both of you, but also to see your guys' marriage, family evolve now into Franklin, Tennessee, where you're about to have your second baby, you're doing 100 pages, Kristen's doing her own thing. It's just so cool to see and it's so different. But like I told this to Kristen a while ago, when I drive up to your house and I I drove up one day and I saw you, James and Kristen just kind of like swinging out on the property and it was like six o'clock at night, the sun was setting and it was just like this beautiful life and this depiction of family and love when I pulled up. And I, I feel so nostalgia about your guys' house and your property just from shooting so much on it for the book and stuff, you know, staying with you guys. But truly, this beautiful life that you guys have built together, thinking back to when I met you and you were just this young newly cu newlywed couple not knowing what you were where you were necessarily going in life, but now to see you five, six, seven years later, however many years it's been, it's been a long time. Seven. Yeah. Seven, yeah to now living this way and, and you're both so fulfilled in your own careers, but you still come together. It's really, really sweet and commendable. So check out part two of the podcast where we get blasted by the car and the whole, and the catalyst. Yeah, of why seriously. We moved here. There's so much to this. There's story. so much it's to crazy. talk about and people request it all the time. So we need to definitely part two of this, but before we wrap it up, mm -hmm. give us hundred pages. We've talked about it on the podcast a little bit, but you just finished with your last writer Give us a brief overview and what's next for the project. Super exciting. As a summary, 100 Pages is a story. It's a docu-series and eventually going to be a film about 100 different people writing one movie. Amazing. First person writes the first page, they pass it to the next person, and they have to write the second based off the first, and so on, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. So the writers after them have no idea how the story's going to turn. This went all the way to 100. Literally two days ago, we wrote the 100th page. It was an incredible page. It wrapped it out. The story got so deep and so uh, no one could expect what was going to happen. Like, like no one will expect what's going to happen in this film. And it was a very thick kind of, um, I don't, I say this in the best way. No, I don't want to say confusing, but it was a very, um, 
well, we'll call it just dense plot. It was a dense plot, which made it very difficult to write. Mm. But ultimately, we landed the plane, and we think it's going to be a very fun, Let's exciting go. film. Even if you didn't know that 100 different people wrote this, and you're like, what is the next page going to be? Because you're going to feel that when you watch the movie. But if you didn't even know that, I think the story stands on its own two legs, and it's a good movie, even without the the fun, exciting, new vehicle in which the story has been written. Dude, so, and you've been working on this every day like yeah. it's a... Like, full-time job yeah you're sure. working like 80 hours a week on it like we, i can't we're believe doing how much minimum six to seven hour zoom calls every single day for the last four months wow and every single day besides sundays and then even we'd have to go on to sunday sometimes like four or five different times and now that you're done with the writing process uh -huh. you're having everyone come for a table read correct yep this sunday uh, upcoming sunday we're gonna have everyone um in franklin they're flying from over 30 different states wow to bring all, I don't think all 100 are coming. We have, we think we have at least 80 confirmed, um, uh, coming back to the table read, table read. One of which is my little sister. That's right. Who is 13 when yeah. she wrote her page and actually, believe it or not, she was page 10. She, um, page 11. She told she's me she's 11. Yeah, she's 11. I'm so sorry. She's That's 11. Okay. Anyways, her page is one of the, all the writers say it's one of the top three pages of the film. I love so that. So she, she absolutely crushed it. But yes, it's um, it's going to be a great project. We're going to do a table read, and then we got to raise some money for the film. Either we're going to get a studio to back it, or we're going to do private equity. And if we don't raise the money, then we're going to do, um, which we're going to. We just don't know which route we're going to do. And if we don't go that route, then we'll crowdsource it. Um, but it's this film is getting made one way or another. We're just going into pre-production and like securing financing phase now that we have the script locked where we can show it to people and be like, here's a script. Do you want to invest X, Y, Z? Coming from somebody who watched the daily grind of this project, I'm so proud. It was so much work. I don't even think you or I realized how much work it was going to mm -hmm. be. But it's kind of perfect timing of this portion of the project wrapping up because it's like the table read and then my due date and then me and you can both just like soak in mm -hmm the newborn bliss together and just like take a break yep. and just be together. Um, we are going to wrap up the podcast here. We are definitely going to do a part two with Marcus because I have still an entire page of things I wanted to talk to him about, but um, thank you for finally being on. Mm -hmm. We love you. Love you. And I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm just going to tell people where to find Marcus. Find Marcus on his Instagram. You can also follow 100 Pages to follow along with the project. You can give us a rating and review at Apple Podcast and Spotify. Five stars, please. And anything else, John? That's it. Why don't you sign off for us today, Marcus? Sign off however you want, because this is your episode, and I'm just so glad it is. Um, everyone out there, thank you for listening. <laughs> Love you. I was in a more of a probably reflective mood today. Sometimes you get zany, silly Marcus. I'm glad that you guys got to hear the more introspective um, personal side of Marcus in terms of like the, uh, the Kristen story and everything else, because that's, Me too. that's my main life. Obviously everything else is for, sometimes it's for show. I mean, you got to give a good show sometimes, but today, today was the story behind the show. And so it was, it was good to talk about it. Yeah. Great dude. Love you. Love you. Thanks for being here. And can't wait for part two through 10. Good. However many. Amazing. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.